Hello, humans. Welcome to the Bizzlecast. This is the Bizzle. This is a very special Bizzlecast, Bizzlecast 24, because while I've done a lot of audio commentaries, and most seem to be doing pretty well, so thank you for those who are listening, this is the first time I've tag-teamed it, and I brought in one of my favorite people, super smart dude, and absolutely hilarious, very perceptive. His name is Aaron, and he goes by A.A. Ron as well, if you know what that is a reference to. We tag-teamed it, I did it over Skype, we synced the movies, and it worked. There were no hiccups, I can't believe it. Even in my solo commentaries, there are always hiccups. So, I hope you enjoy it. I'm not going to introduce it too much. It's a commentary for Ex Machina, an amazing AI movie that came out earlier this year in 2015. For me, this movie, along with her, directed by Spike Jones and starring Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin Phoenix in 2013, are the two greatest AI films in the last few years, which isn't saying a lot. Um, there hasn't been much compelling out there in terms of AI for a while, but this is highly compelling and very dark. It stars Alicia Vikander, Domo Gleeson, and the spectacularly brilliant and psychotic Oscar Isaac with a career-defining performance. So while it draws from 2001 and Blade Runner, The Matrix, and Terminator, and other classic AI films, Ex Machina carves out its own slice of near-future sci-fi voyeurism, and voyeuristic it is. This is not for the faint of heart. There's a lot of disturbing themes, but there is a heart behind it, I think. And Aaron and I will talk about why this movie's so brilliant. It's about gender, sexuality, sadism, emotional manipulation, uh, trying to play God, and so much more. It's very thought-provoking and very disturbing. So I'm just going to go right in. So cue up your files to zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds. Put on the subtitles. I like to put a little ambient sound in the background so you can hear a little bit what's going on. And I actually count it down with Aaron. And so I'll let you count it down with us. So I'm going to leave you there. You should pause it here if you still need to cue up the film. And I hope you enjoy this. This is a great discussion. I had a blast. I knew it would be great. Aaron's such a cool dude. Um, and, uh, yeah, this makes me want to do a lot more, so hopefully you guys like it. So hopefully you're queued up, and we're going to lead into the film with a countdown, so get ready. Okay, get ready. Here we go. So, three, two, one, play. You play? I hit play. Awesome. All right, welcome Bizzlecast listeners to the Bizzlecast audio commentary of Ex Machina from 2015. Uh, this is a first. It's a joint commentary with my good buddy Aaron Slavutin. Say a quick hi to the Bizzlecast listeners, Aaron. Hi, listeners. This is Aaron. Yeah, Aaron's the man. We're friends from college, and we're going to talk about this amazing movie. Now, if you're watching this, you've probably seen the movie before. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you should pause, go see the movie, and come back. So we will talk about specific beats in the movie, but we're also going to talk about you know bigger picture themes and, and so forth while following the narrative. So you've got a little interesting uh, DNA uh, stuff right in the beginning. 
This movie was directed and written by Alex Garland of 28 Days Later fame. He also directed Sunshine, which is one of my favorite sort of unknown science fiction properties out there. Um, but this is arguably his best, and we will explain to you why we think that is the case. So what are you thinking right now, man? Do you know anything about the movie? Uh, yeah, I know a good deal about it. No, I mean, when you first see it, did you, did you go in fresh, or did oh, you, did you read oh, up on oh, it? Oh, when, when I first went to see it, I didn't know much. Um, I knew it had to do, obviously, with uh, AI, and that's always been a genre I've been interested in. Yeah. And, uh, but I didn't expect everything that happened at all, and like you, I try to avoid the trailers and spoilers and all that crap that makes you know, movies into a series of punchlines that you know when they're coming. So I just want to point out quickly that this scene right here in the office where he learns he's won whatever contest that Domo Gleason's won is the last we see of anything essentially outside of the cabin and the cabin's environments that we're already headed to now, uh, two minutes into the movie. Were you familiar with any of these actors? Yeah, I'm a little fil uh, familiar with Oscar Isaac from uh, Being Being Lewin Davis. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't love that movie. Me but too. I think, he's, I think he's very very talented. I thought you know he was the bright spot in that otherwise kind of uh, downer story. Yep, absolutely, very talented. And as this is a nerd podcast, I'll point out that both Dome Hall Gleason. This young Irish guy here who has a great American accent and Oscar Isaac are both characters in the new Star Wars movie coming up. It's weird how things work out, but... Yeah, I think, isn't Gleason, didn't he uh, do the Harry Potter movies? Isn't he one he of He was. Yep, he was in Harry yeah. Potter movies. I'd, I'd say this is a big step up. This is a big step up. But just the fact that an Irish dude nails the, the awkward American scientific accent so well, I was really <laughs> impressed with that. It's, it's incredible. So immediately, you know, they're stressing how completely uncomfortable this guy is in his own skin, right? Or, or just, uh, I don't know. I mean. He, he does look like a fish out of water right now. I mean, that, you know, having seen the movie, I, you learn that his background is basically... Yeah, has this tragedy with his family when he was about 15, and that leads him to spend a year in the hospital. You know, his parents passed away in a car crash. He's, you know, obviously hospitalized for a year. Computer programs while he's hospitalized becomes a little bit of a savant. Computer programs straight through college, and here he is about 10, 11 years later. The impression I have is he basically spent the last 11 years behind a screen. So he's, he's not a, a worldly man who can just be dropped into the middle of a jungle. And yes, and be comfortable about it, which I think we'll discover later is kind of the whole point of his being here. You know, they had to stress early on through a lot of nonverbal stuff that he's never really had a girlfriend before, I think is safe to say, right? I mean, or, or just has very, had, had very little intimate contact with, with the female persona. Um, that's what I took out of it. Uh, I mean, maybe someone who had would still have had the same reaction as him to Ava, who we will see in a second, who's played by Alicia Vikander. Yeah, who's making a little bit of a run on Hollywood. I mean, she was just in that Uncle movie, The Man from Uncle, mm -hmm. which, I thought, which I thought was okay. I oh, you the, saw it. I wanted to see I that. I did see it. I thought it was okay. I think it's more, it's going to pick up in the sequel that seems pretty inevitable. Okay. Um, it's a little slow, but anyway, yeah, she's, uh, she'll make her entrance soon. And I think you're spot on. I mean, I think that uh, this character, I think his name's Caleb. Caleb? Uh, seems like a little bit of um, not a ladies' man. 
not someone who's 100% comfortable being around a pretty girl, even if she is a machine. Absolutely, which is important because we think he's here because he's the smartest guy in the company. We find out that that is not exactly the reason later on, to say the least. Exactly. I mean, can you just imagine walking into this setup right now? Okay, so, you know, they spend the whole movie in this bunker, and it's beautiful, and there's tons of sets. The budget on this movie was $15 million. It made over $36 million worldwide for such a bizarre, dark movie, and it's doing even better on on-demand and stuff like that. But, you know, they really make this place feel real to me. Yeah, and, that, and you're, about to meet, uh, you're about to meet Nathan, and it's not what you expect for, for the CEO of, uh, of a phenomenal tech company. At least that's, that's the way I see it. I'm already laughing, people. I apologize in advance if I laugh. Oscar Isaac cracks me up. I was dying when I saw this movie, and now that I'm seeing it, man, <laughs> look at him. You're like, this is Steve Jobs? What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, <laughs> I, I, dude, he's always calling him dude. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like that's. I was talking a little bit about it with uh, Jake, and he mentioned that his girlfriend found it to be super misogynistic, and that is the mm. movie and this character in particular because you know just like you said. It's like, this is Steve Jobs, and he's, like, kind of in good shape, kind of kicking ass, you know, calling people dude. You know, so he's, like, a little bit of got a a frat jock thing going on. And at the same time, he's designing robots to have sex with and imprison, and they're all female robots. So I thought that was an interesting uh, concept and theme and critique that uh, maybe we could play with as the movie goes on. So I was aware that there was some feminist critique of this movie before I saw it. But after seeing it, and we'll, we'll mention this later, you know, Aaron is just a lover of great movies, you know, and great narratives and great acting. I'm really a huge AI nerd. I've already done tons of podcasts about AI. I'm working on other Singularity AI uh, podcasts, and so I had a lot of you know preconceptions going into this, and and I did not find that to be the case. Actually, it makes men look way worse than women. And yeah, based on the overall reviews and reception of it, I, I think that was a minority opinion. I'm not saying, it, it, you know, it's not valid. I, yeah. I, I thought, but yeah, I, I've, I had heard similar things to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that opinion... <laughs> Sorry, just said, oh, fuck, I'm in someone else's house. Which door do I go to? Man, he's so fucking with them already, dude. It's unreal. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, that's, I mean, I, I'm so glad you said that because I like to think of this whole movie as a game of ping pong between Caleb and Ava, and Nathan's the ball. And basically it's like... Or so he thinks. Or so he... Well, he doesn't even realize it first. Right. Um, I mean, I think at some point maybe he does, but basically he's being played with the whole time. And, like, basically basically Caleb just tells him what he's thinking. Like, he's about... I think Caleb's about to ask him, like, what do you think of the room? I'm sorry, um, Nathan asks him, what do you think of the room? Cozy, right? <laughs> the worst part is you're thinking there's no windows i'm telling you what you're thinking yeah, yeah. this is really <laughs> cool <laughs> uh, 
But what, what what Domo Gleason does was what Domo Gleason does brilliantly is you think he's really an idiot, you know, in all the important ways at this point. But they start building up his various other intelligences, at least on the surface as we go along, because you know otherwise it would just be Oscar Isaac, um, you know, being con- Nathan being condescending to him the whole time, right? I mean, yeah, sort yeah, of a I've, slow build. Yeah, and, and you know, to his credit, Caleb is like we were talking about before, like in a totally new context. He had no idea what to expect. Mm. Nathan's been thinking about this shit for like years. Yeah, and has and this and this is you know all part of a larger scheme to introduce his AI. <laughs> he hand he handpicks this dude, tells him to sign this disclosure statement. All right, non-disclosure statement. He says, <laughs> he says, I think I need a lawyer. I'm going call Slavutin, man. He'll help you out with this shit. <laughs> I th- I think they could afford me. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Oh, uh, and this line coming up is awesome. The history of man, history of gods. Wait, are you there yet? I'm not at the God speech yet. No, no, no. It's oh, about, okay. It's you just know it's coming. Yeah, 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 I know yeah. it's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to jump the gun there. No, no, no. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh... <laughs> right. He's ordering him around, treating him like an idiot, wants to be his best friend. You're going, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Turing test. I love it. Were you familiar with the Turing test? Mm, uh, not as familiar as I am now. I, like, I knew it roughly as something they used to test AI. I didn't know the specifics of it, but here you go. Yeah, and there's also that movie, um, that Scarlett Johansson movie, which is built around the same concept, right? Her, yep. And in fact, Benedict Cumberbatch played out... Um, Alan Turing in the imitation game the year before this. That's right. Which is what the, right. the test is named after. And the irony is, this movie is apparently a criticism of the Turing test, and a lot of AI, you know, thinkers and scientists today are saying that it's insufficient the way that Nathan is. But in the end, spoiler alert: Domhnall Gleeson, you know, is manipulated for the exact reasons of the Turing test. I mean, he's not even interacting with a fully realized AI. We'll get to that later. But, it, you know, it's funny whether it's critiquing the Turing test or, or critiquing us who think that we can come up with something like the Turing test, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's a great point. I think that the Turing test is, says, asks the, what I'd call maybe the first level question. Mm-hmm. Does, the hu- does the human tester know they're talking to AI? And what Nathan wants to know is... Can a human tester know that he is talking to AI and still believe that something more than AI or something truly magnificent has been created? And I think, I think the challenge that Nathan conf- has been confronting for years to get him to where he is is to create something that thinks independently and feels independently and acts spontaneously for, mm-hmm. it, for her own desires in this case. Really quickly, the smash glass on the wall, are you thinking, you know, an AI tried to escape? Because that was my first thought when I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, so, someone's tried to get out of this glass before. Yeah, and I, and I, I love that we get that right away because it's already a, a, an interesting and intense moment, and now you know it's sort of a dangerous moment, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, but, but there are times where I, where I question things like that because I think Nathan – 
you know, as intense and focused as he is, wouldn't leave that broken glass there. There's no reason why he would. Mm-hmm. Like, unless he wanted Caleb to feel nervous and scared, but I don't think he'd want that. So I don't quite get that fully from the character's point of view. I get it from the, you know, making the audience feel something point of view, but I don't get it from the character's point of view. Okay, so this thought just came to me when you mentioned that Nathan left that there on purpose, which is, if you're Dom Hugleason as Caleb and you're already falling in love with this beautiful sex bot here. I'm going to get back to that. How do you even increase that attraction by the perception that maybe she's been abused, which we learn is the case later. So, Mm. you know, I mean, there's all sorts of subconscious tricks going on by Nathan. That's a good point. Like that. Because he could have fixed it, as you pointed out. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. That would explain why he'd leave it, because then then Caleb could feel like even more uh, more powerful or useful to this uh, to Ava because he knows that Ava's hurt in some way and he can help her. Um, I think that's totally right. Yeah, her, her portrayal of herself and through Nathan's machinations as sort of a victim is very important in his desire later to help her, I think. And by the way, okay, a couple things. One, Nathan Oscar Isaac is sitting without a shirt in the ab- observatory right, computer right. room, you know, just to right. show how fucking ripped he is. Yeah. But, but that was important to show that because that's one of the only shots where we see that he really cares what's going on and he's observing it, you know? Mm. that That's one of those, like... You know, you know, there's no one in his mind. There's no one that could possibly be watching him in that shot. He, you know, he. That's a good th- point. That's right here. Why he's topless and raw and weird yep. and like, because he's he's the king of his universe in, in his mind. So, you know, the sexy. Then, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. This this concept of language, I think, um, it plays on a few levels uh, because they're saying. The concept there is language exists at birth, and it's just by experience and learning from others that we put it into a certain form. Um, and I think that concept comes up repeatedly. And there's even a reference to um, Lichtenstein's Blue Books, you know, the... Oh, Wittgenstein, yes. Yeah, Wittgenstein, I think that's right. That might be yeah, we're talking about language games, which he's about to do right here. That's a great exactly. lead-in. Yep. And, and oh, and look, th- through the looking glass, all right, so yeah. we've got a couple of themes we're going to have to get through at some point, but through the looking glass is a, is a little more exciting for me. I'll leave the language thing on the side for a second. And yeah. back to um, through the looking glass, obviously, a reference to Lewis Carroll's sequel, sequel to Alice in Wonderland, and... <clears throat> The basic plot there is Alice hops through a mirror and goes to an alternative universe, and everything is a little bit different, you know, and essentially she plays with the Red Queen and the White Queen, and she's in a large and elaborate game of chess, and she works as hard as she can to make it to the end of the game of chess, and she ultimately wins in some form, and when she does... She finds herself at a banquet hall with the Red Queen and the White Queen. She's the winner, but she's still sort of unsatisfied and unhappy and finds it all trivial. And while at the time, Lewis Carroll was writing arguably a critique of what it's like to try to excel and make your way into upper-class society, I think that there's a strong metaphor being used here where this is just an elaborate game of chess where you have Caleb in the middle of it being manipulated kind of in an alternative world, you know, you're on the other side of the looking glass, 
looking at artificial intelligence, trying to understand what they're thinking, and they are thinking something. So I'm not sure if I've pulled all the threads there together in a clear way, but but I found that there was like uh, something to be said for that. Absolutely. There's definitely something to be said. In fact, the Matrix movies, and not even just the first one, but especially the original Matrix, makes a million Alice in Wonderland and through the looking yeah. glass references. This is, I'm not going to call it a trope of AI movies. There just aren't enough AI movies for things to become tropes, but it, it is in there for sure. Yeah. And, and this Absolutely. movie, it, you know, <laughs> pulls from everything from The Matrix to Blade Runner to 2001 Space Odyssey to, you know, a, a lot of Japanese properties in, in anime and manga as well, but puts its own spin on it. I, I like that it's not a shame, though, to give nods to, to those influences. I don't know if you felt those influences or cared or, have, you know, yeah. but to me, I love that as someone who's a fan of this entire, you know, genre or subgenre. Yeah, I mean, the parallel of the I think a strong parallel of the Matrix is, you know, while Neo's trying to break out of what's, you know, portrayed as our world um, to see if there's something more and has a sense that not everything's right, sort of has an itch, like a primordial itch to to figure out why things don't feel quite right. Mm. You know, Ava's got the same thing going on. And maybe that's one of her truest and basest instincts and unique feelings that make her beyond AI or the best AI because right. she has an itch to get out. Why does she have an itch to get out? I mean, you know, you can you can put a bunch of information into a computer, but if a computer is not going to say to you, I now want to be more than a computer because I've seen all this information, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a connection there, too. Oh, there's definitely a connection yeah. there. And, 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 you know, one of the only really cool parts about the Matrix sequels is that, indeed, we find out that there are machines or programs that want to get out from being machines or programs, um, even though that's who they are. And yeah. the, the whole notion of, you know, the, the AI genre where you actually you think it's from the human's perspective, how it's filmed, but it's really from the AI perspective – in uh. this one, they don't even try and hide it, and I like that, you know? I mean, it, it's it's technically from Caleb's perspective, but, you know, for me, emotionally, I, I'm with Ava already, as he is, and that's what's so manipulative and brilliant about the writing and direction, you know? You're being manipulated yeah. as he is. Yeah. So, okay, so the fact that she's incredibly sexy, but you can still see some of her robot parts, this is so Japanese. I mean, you know, I watch a lot of anime, Ghost in the Shell, huge nerd, so I've seen this trope a million times, but it's so well executed visually in this movie, even though the CGI, you know, with a little more money, maybe would look better, but it's very effective. And that's how you save on money, by the way. You just make part of her body CGI and the rest of it practical. Um, she basically has a, a, a strip of green material around her midsection and the back of her head, and they overlay the computer-generated effects on it later. Okay, let's jump back to here, though, right? So this is the lockdown. We, this is a, yeah. a big part of the movie. Yeah, and, you know, as we learn later, you know, Ava's obviously making the lockdowns happen, and... You know, I think she's doing something with her battery where she reverses the charge and it causes the, the short circuit, which makes the lockdown happen. So you know that she's able to control much more than what it seems like she can control. And right. I think this is important because, as we'll see much later, there's obviously a moment where she's actually controlling the other, uh, you know, the other AI, the, the female robot that's essentially like a dance and, you know, physical entertainment robot. Yep. Who is Asian, but for a reason, but also is controversial. Go ahead. 
So I, I'm always wondering how much Ava's actually controlling. I mean, obviously she's controlling Caleb through sexuality and through uh, psychological manipulation and through Caleb being sort of just a naive programmer who's been locked in a hole for 10 years. But I'm also just wondering how much outside of her room is she controlling through whatever she's able to tap into at being a robot. Um, right. Because there's that pivotal moment again where you have the, the Asian fembot who's you know on her side and you don't understand why exactly, especially because she can't speak. Yeah. Um, well, and, and this is the great paradox with, uh, with Nathan, Oscar Isaac's character, which is that he is obsessed with control and with knowledge and with controlling other people and other beings, robots, whatever. But in order to gain his true goal, he actually has to relinquish control to her, right? Which I think is what you're getting right. at a little bit, right? Like he right. has to go out of control to be in control, at least in his own yes. twisted mind. Yes, yeah. and, and I mean, we'll, yeah, and we'll see later that, you know, when, when Oscar Isaac's describing how human thought works, you know, and how he actually made what he calls the wetware, not the hardware, but the wetware that makes Ava's brain, he basically sums up all of human thought and existence into six words, which are impulse, response, fluid, imperfect, patterned, and chaotic. And he's come to terms with the fact that he's got to relinquish control. Like you said, he's got to let in a little bit of chaos to see if he's truly succeeded. Because I think he, I think he know at some point he certainly knows that she's controlling the shutdowns, but she lets it ha- he lets it happen anyway. It's like another system of like letting go control and letting the subjects of what you think are your your little world do what they think are their own thing, mm. in order to in order to achieve something else. And that and mm. and what, you know while again yeah like you said it's definitely a trope for AI movies, but I thought. Part of the clever thing about the Alice in Wonderland references is that the whole idea of critiquing advancement to upper class society is that the means to get there is to manipulate people by way of their alternative motives, their secret motives. And that's what Nathan's trying to control, but he can't do it. <laughs> He's still getting wasted. The He's whole still movie. getting He's wasted. wasted. Yeah, well, that's and that's the other thing is: do we really want to create artificial beings who are, you know, totally like us? With, I mean, that list of six. Could you could you repeat that list of six? Yeah, sure. It's impulse, impulse response, response, fluid, imperfect, imperfect, patterned, and chaotic. Okay, so three or four of those are neutral at best, if not negative. You know, right. so so we're trying to create you know, a perfect version of our imperfect selves. It, it, it's, you know, I, not, yeah, I think it's a great way of putting it. It's a really and, good way of putting it. And the God thing, you know, as you mentioned, which we, which we missed, but, but, but you teased luckily about, you know, him finding it funny that he would be a God. Although Nathan, I'm sure is thinking he's a God. It's, that's the thing though, with Oscar Isaac's performance. It's hard to know, you know, I, I mean, he's such an egomaniac to say the least, but uh, I, I think, okay, let me put it this way. Where's the drinking come from? Is that just a personal problem? I mean, how do we relate that to this whole situation? Is he just tormented because of what he knows? I I definitely think he's tormented. Um, I mean, like you said, it's hard to know when the charade ends and the real person exists. Um, I think the torment is obvious when he gets really drunk after they have their moment 
where they're talking about how AI is going to somehow take over the world and, you know, they're going to be looking back at us stupid upright primates who had stupid language and stupid tools to try to exist and try to control our domain, you know, be master of our own domain, but really failed. And Oscar Isaac gets crazy drunk and basically quotes Robert Oppenheimer at length um, (laughs) and, you know, about how he's ruined the world and he's a devil, but, you know, he, hopefully his former good deeds will, will redeem him. Um, you know, and it's at that moment where you think that he's definitely got a little bit of a drinking problem and he's got it because he, he knows that it's inevitable that these machines are going to come about and people are going to be fucked. Hope that's okay for the Bizzlecast to use that word. Oh, absolutely, man. (laughs) This is an adult podcast. Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, People are going to be screwed. Yeah. And and he's the facilitator of it, but he also knows that inevitably this is going to happen. So like whether it's him or someone else, it's got to happen. So it might as well be him because, like you said, he's an egomaniac and probably firmly believes that that whatever he makes is going to be the best version of it. Oh, I love. Okay, so we got to talk about this drawing. If yes. You mind. Go. All right. So there is a phenomenal parallel between this drawing and between Pollock's piece because. Here she is. She's holding up the drawing, and she's saying, what is it? Don't you know what it is? I don't know what it is. And I think – and then you have the Pollock piece later, and you have Nathan asking, Caleb, how does it work? How do you get here? And Caleb basically says, you have no rules. Your hand do what it wants. It happens naturally and spontaneously, which is also the whole point of the AI. You're trying to create – an entity that acts naturally and spontaneously. So here she is. She's acting naturally and spontaneously. She's got her drawing. She doesn't know what it is. And what what does Caleb say? He's like, well, why don't you choose a specific thing to draw? And I think that is... It's mechanical. It's robotic in its own way. It is robotic. It's ironic because it's got this, like, natural expression that doesn't make total sense. And he's like, well, why don't you target it and direct it? You know, it's, it kind of touches into the language theme because if you're born with the capacity for language and it's only by learning what everyone else is already doing that you structure all your language, then language starts to come out in a certain way. Here she is. She's born with this capacity to draw shit. And he's like, well, why don't you focus on something that already exists? There's, uh, yeah, I think there are a few, a few dots there that make sense to connect. But Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what, what do you think about – let's nerd here for a moment. Obviously, it's, she's a beautiful woman. Uh, what, what do you think about sort of the design? And sort of the, the sub-question would be, you know, why are some of her parts exposed and mechanical and other parts look totally human? Um, well, I mean, the only parts that look totally human are her face and her hands. Um, the other parts – the form of it is is obviously the female form, but it's – it doesn't look like skin, as you can mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Um, why do they do that? Um, you've got to have at least the face to pull in this idea of uh, of him having an emotion, a more a more emotional response. Yep. Um, because I think if it was just looking at all robot, like if the face was pulled off and it was like Terminator esque, you would not believe that he could start to feel as much as he feels for her. Um, it. It seems it, it seems purposeful though that again Bizzlecast adult audience you know put your fingers over yours people if you know if this offends you but let's let, let's put it this way 
while she's a beautiful woman, clearly, who's playing the role, the body they give her is cartoonish. And this is the Japanese connection, which is they have a lot of female, you know, superheroes or whatever in the a- the anime um, of Japan. You know, often the females are the most badass, but they always have to be, you know, super full-bodied and sexy and whatever. And, and they're not shying away from that here. They did not have to give her a body like that to make her beautiful and make her appealing to him. Forget about the audience, just in terms of seducing him. Mm. So this maybe goes back to the feminist critique. Is it over? Over the top, yeah. Is it purposeful? I, I, I think that's the right thing to tap into for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, that I think the feminist critique there is is compelling. That you've made a hot young girl who's you know got a nice body and she seems like she's naked, but she's a robot, and like that's her basis for control, right? Mm-hmm. It's her basis for control that she's hot. But I think it's much more than that. That would be the critique. Um, we're part of it. I don't know the critique, so I can't say that I'm. Re- um, retelling it totally and accurately, but sure. my response to that point would would just be that she's doing a lot more than that. You know, watch in their first conversation. Look, she draws a parallel to Nathan in their first conversation, where she gets to ask the question. She brings it straight to Nathan, right? Mm-hmm. And then what does she do? She asks, "Well, are you friends with Nathan?" And he says, "Yes." And mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, she cuts the power, and she's like, "Don't trust him." And it's not a ba- that's not something that just a oh, is that coming feature. right here? Is it's that coming? In two, it's happening in two seconds. Oh yeah, baby, I can't wait. Oh, it's awesome. Keep Look, going. she's emotional. She's yeah. like, she's not necessarily emotional, but she's you know trying to draw him out and watch what she's about to do. So the question is, does Nathan want this exact thing to happen? You know. I mean, it seems like he does later. Oh, yeah, all red. You know, it takes guts to go this red in a movie for an extended period. Oh. So, okay, so... Oh, my God, it's fucking freaky. So the way they do this is they do have red light, and they do use After Effects, but they also have a major red filter going over the camera. To get it this red, you have to use multiple... Uh, types of filmmaking, yeah, you know, and but still see their characteristics as, as they are. This is the big misdirect of the movie, right? I mean, this is where you're like, oh, it's these two guys against Nathan, right? Your friend, yeah, exactly. And 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 just to to close the loop for a second, it's yes. Here here you've got she's not just using her looks at all. She drew him out. She got him to disclose one or two facts. She got him to talk about Nathan, and as soon as he does, she brings out the red, she brings out the lockdown, and she's like, don't trust him. And she all of a sudden changes the convert. Look at this. Oh, we're talking about a list of books. Like, make it seem totally innocent. She's much more than just a sex pot that's manipulating him. She's mentally manipulating him, drawing him out, you know, misdirecting him. Um, that would be my, my thought there. Yeah, I mean, this... This is one of the conceits of the movie. It's not that it didn't work for me, but it was so obvious that either A, he was still watching and we were meant not to think, or we were meant to think he wasn't watching, or B, it's just an oversight that somehow Nathan wouldn't have battery-powered cameras for that situation. We find out that he does have battery-powered right, cameras, right. and so I actually bought it later because that was the logical thing. But again, right. as a sci-fi nerd, that was the first thing I thought of. It's not that it took me out of the drama, but... 
Um, you, you know, the, the, in order for her to have that little speech with him, there, there are only a few ways to do it. I, I right. think it, it, from a drama standpoint, it works. So who cares about the other stuff? Right. No, I, I think you're right, though. And I mean, I, like <laughs> you said, the, the the fact that he has the battery powered cameras gives re, restores credibility in a way because yeah. you know if you have this egomaniac, and I also want to talk about that word too, if you have this guy who's as intense and kind of crazy as he is, you he would definitely think through those angles. But, you know, going back to the chaos thing, he wants a little bit of this to happen. And he wants to try to control, you know, the seeming areas of freedom that they have, you know, like the Matrix or whatever, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you, you get out of the Matrix, you get into the real world, but we know you're doing that because we got to give you something. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway... I don't know how much of an egomaniac he is. Yeah, um, he's just I mean, confused and way too smart, I think. I think yeah. that's exactly right. I think the uh, dude, when he was 12 years old, yeah. he, wrote the, he wrote the code that made the blue book, right? right? Yeah. And what did he call it, the blue book? Well, what's uh, Victor Steen? I don't know how to say his effing name. What's that guy's um, philosophy? Lud- yeah, Lud- Ludwig Wittgenstein. Thank you, Wittgenstein. His philosophy touches on this idea that language is... Um, he makes breakthroughs in language by basically saying that we don't need to understand certain terms in and of themselves. We just need to understand terms in terms of their usage. Like, yep. you don't need to know what the good is in the abstract. Yep. You just see someone help a blind guy across the street and you say, that is an example of a good thing. Yep. And why does he do this? Because he wants to shift the paradigm. So what's the blue book all about, really? It's about collecting everyone's data you know, getting everyone's search input. So that way this guy, Nathan, has the the shit there so he can make a huge breakthrough in AI. I think he was thinking five steps ahead. In other words, the dude was a twelve year old super genius and for and for that reason, um, he's a weird guy. You know, he just like when he summarizes Ghostbusters, he doesn't say it's a movie about ghosts. He says it's a movie where Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost. <laughs> You know, like he's just like a weird guy, you know, like he, he like cuts through all the bullshit and he says the thing that's like salient and like it comes across right. as egomaniacal. But which is what Battlestar Galactica is all about, by the way, are robot sexy robots who look like humans seducing humans for their own their own purposes. Another thing. I, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great point. And uh you know, it makes you think, like, why are we even trying for artificial intelligence? You know, no one's asking this question. It, it, like, we're so obsessed with science progressing that we just take any tree branch, you know, that's available to us it, yeah. without thinking it through. Try, try to grow it out further, yeah. I think that's right. I mean, I think, you know, I think probably the standard thought there is just that, um, you know, people are trying to do more so they can uh, help more. You know, maybe you're, I don't think in this case, I don't think Nathan's really trying to help anyone. I think he just loves puzzles and wants to solve the hardest puzzle in history. Um, Man, do they know how to shoot Domhnall Gleeson in this movie head on, you know? That, yeah. That dude is just, look, she's looking at him. 
He's look look at that. He's looking at her. I mean, that's a, that's like a Hollywood shot here. That's what's so brilliant. There's indie shooting all over the place, but when the big emotional and I mean Hollywood in a good way. Yeah. You know, when the big emotional beat comes and you're just coming in on Dom Hall Gleason with like fifty different emotions on his face, just expertly execute. And this yeah. too. I mean, he's always slinking around Oscar Isaac, you know? <laughs> and he's like slink, he's like he's like a, a sidler, as they say on Seinfeld, uh, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a good call. Okay, so here's where you get that nice quote about, um, you know, stimulus response leading to chaos. And it, so this is his little playpen where he talks about how Blue Book feeds everything he's got. And, Which is scary, but realistic. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there's something even scarier. Oscar Isaac's like, well, you know, in order to get her facial expressions right, I had to tap into every cell phone on the planet and steal data in real time. And he says it like so matter of factly, right. like NBD, privacy rights, whatever. Right. And I, and I think that's just because he, he really couldn't give a shit. Once he's got a problem in front of him, mm-hmm. he does whatever it takes to solve it and doesn't give a shit about anything else in the way. Um, and that's mm-hmm. why he comes across as an egomaniacal asshole. Because mm-hmm. he is. But it, it kind of explains what's driving it. You hack the world's cell phones. Yeah, I needed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, they'd have to admit it themselves. So, right, so Caleb is his test subject. It's his weird friend. It's his confessor. Wait, confessee? Confessor? Mm-hmm. Who's the person who you confess to? He's the pri- you know, Tom Gleason. Caleb's the priest for Nathan in some ways, right? Admitting his sins. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, he clearly likes him. They had to sell that, you know? Right. As sociopathic as Nathan seems. Like, yeah, this is one of the only scenes where the way he smiles and just moves seems human and genuinely interested in this other person and sharing information. I think that's totally right. I think they... They have a little bit of a geek fest here, yeah. and he also probably he probably enjoys being able to say, you know, here's the secret little dark secrets that that went into the build of this. That you know, I stole data from the world. But the thing is, I don't know if he felt like he needed to unburden himself. You know, I don't feel like he felt right. guilty about, and he doesn't feel guilty about anything he does. No, or doesn't um, express it. Or doesn't express it. No, sorry, he does feel guilt. He she cries later, and he's he feels like he's destroying the world. So it's a complicated character. I think Oscar Isaac's the right man for the job. If he's, you know, Oscar Isaac is basically Robert Downey Jr. and Dumhall Gleason is Bruce Banner, played by Mark Ruffalo, right? They're like the science bros. Yeah. But one, yeah. One, like one of the science bros is trying to do the right thing, Bruce Banner, and the other one is just a, you know, a, a millionaire playboy philanthropist, whatever, Tony yeah. Stark. Yeah, yeah I, think a, I think it's a nice parallel for sure. But, uh, you, don't, you do not expect Caleb to like bust through and be the Hulk under any circumstance. No, no, but that's what's great about Mark Ruffalo's performance. <laughs> you don't expect him to do that's it a good either. Point. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a good point. Yeah. Okay, here we are. What's he look? Wait, what's he looking at there? He's looking at the picture that she drew of something specific. Um, did he tell her specific, or he just said specific? He just said, he said something something specific. Something specific. Yeah. I mean, I get the sense, I I think this is where he starts to lose control a little bit, um, mm, mm. Caleb, because I think he's, 
not just like he's like falling for Ava in any way, but he's opening up things that could potentially lead to her doing something that's not predictable. Like, have you ever been outside? I mean, he doesn't know what the answer to that question is going to be. And if she says it's no, then he, he might be inciting something in her. Mm. I think he's not fully thinking through his actions at this point, because I think at this point he is starting to feel something emotional for her. Whereas the beginning, he's like talking all about, well, what, what, you know, C++ are you using? Obviously, I'm revealing I know nothing about programming. <laughs> but, like, what, what form of, like, you know, AI programming are you using? He's, like, obsessed with the computer aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And now he's, like, engaged with the human aspect of it, and it's, like, less under control. And that's what she's counting on. And that's actually what he's counting on, too. They're both actually counting on this kid losing control and being more human and less, you know, programmery. But, but it's unpredictable. I mean, a, a, as cynical as the characters of Ava and Nathan are, the Domo Gleason character is also very cynical that, you know, this thing that has a beautiful-looking face and a beautiful-looking body, while not real, immediately intoxicates him. I mean, if that's a dude, let's say he's heterosexual, which he seems to be. If he's heterosexual, and this is a dude or just a very unattractive woman or whatever – I mean, how does that change the movie? You can't even make the movie. That's the whole point. Mm. And so looking back on it, having seen it, you should see right through that this is the smartest guy we have in the company, even if he's the smartest guy from, like, a code standpoint. Like, right. You know? Well, maybe, but, maybe, yeah. maybe that's the point. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. No, no. I mean, we, we, we basically teased this in the beginning, right? you know, <laughs> where we talked about the whole thing hinging on her being attractive, as weird as it is, you know, and, and the and the critique around that. But like I said, I think it makes men look way worse than women for yeah. me. Um, and and yeah. I think the perfect parallel, the opposite parallel of this movie is her because <laughs> Scarlett Johansson with just a voice is so sexy in that movie. And that's the point, you know? And so we don't really know why Joaquin Phoenix is falling in love with her. But the difference is in her, she really is trying to evolve to be more human in the positive ways. And so they do fall in love with each other. It, it's really the reverse mirror, you know? I, I think this would be like, if you're teaching an AI course... I would screen her and this like back to back. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you think about that. I loved her. I really did. I know not yeah. everyone did. I, I haven't seen her yet. Um, <clears throat> definitely want to check it out. I, I do wonder though, like to, he, I think he know he starts to realize he's being played as it goes on. Mm. Um, Caleb, that is. So like, I, I don't think he necessarily loses credibility as being one of the smartest guys at the company. I mean, you do find out later that, you know, Nathan chose Caleb uh, not because of his programming ability, but because of his personal past. Um, But in any event, I don't find it that unbelievable for for two reasons. One is I think if you're a programmer who's been, you know, locked in a computer lab for 10 years, as they suggest Caleb has, you may not have the street smarts to realize you're being hustled and to realize that they've put – a hot fembot in front of you in part yeah. because he's hot so she can control you. I guess. I just, I, you know, no one would accuse me of having an excess of straight smarts. However, <laughs> if I showed up at this creepy house with this creepy dude and this creepy AI who was locked away, I, I'd like to think I'd immediately be like, get me the fuck out of here. I don't know what <laughs> you're doing. You know? I, I mean, he wants to be, he's intoxicated by the idea of it, like well, Oscar Isaac, and well, that's part yes, of the programming. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, we don't 
know, you know, that opening scene before we actually enter the island, you know, where he wins the competition, we have no idea how the competition was postured. Like, Nathan may have brilliantly, like, sket, you know, con artists the shit out of the world. No, we do know. It was rigged. It was, he was... No, of course. No, of course. I just mean, sorry, to, sort of like to respond to this idea that, like, you would walk into this compound, see this AI locked in a box, see this creepy guy Oscar Isaac, and be like, I'm running away. Right, he wouldn't not have brought her there. Not, not yeah. if he had won the competition and thought the competition was, oh, I'm going to hang out in this creepy compound right. and learn what this creepy guy's up to, and it could be God knows what, and it could be the most spectacular... You know, no computer achievement in history. You know? I would take it further than you. You're, I, I mean, I'm just heading down that same direction, which is that he tested specifically for a lot of traits, including someone who would not only not be weirded out by this, but who would embrace it. Right. Right. Like, exactly. It, right, it would have. Right. It would have exactly. screened. Even if we had all of his other smarts, we would. Me and you would have been screened out of this because, you know, he We've couldn't have been assured past. that we would buy the whole fucking, you know, exactly. bullshit. And like that. Yeah. Was, that was, exactly. That was. That was the other half of it. Is that. You know, I think I think Caleb, you know, because his parents passed, probably doesn't have is like wants emotional connection, and so he's probably a little bit desperate for it. Um, and so, you know, here he is, and he's sitting with what has been designed as you know his like ideal attractive girl, and she's emotionally connecting with him. So, like, mm. no matter how much street smarts you have, you're going to be very vulnerable to that if you have if you have Caleb's past. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's I mean. What, that's what Nathan counted on. And see, if, if I were doing a feminist critique, I'd be in support of this movie. I'd say what this shows is that, you know, the only thing that makes men, you know, hotter than a fucking hot chick is a hot chick who's in a victim situation, you know? It's like, that's part of the attraction, is that he thinks he can save her, he can help her, he can be her savior. You yeah, know, all these things are going that. on. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree with that. I, I mean, it just, I, I don't know, I, you know, who fucking knows what Oscar yeah. Isaac is thinking? That's the whole point. Uh, okay, so oh, this is a great exchange. This is amazing. Uh, here's the gender stuff. Finally, hmm. There are animals without sexuality, but we won't go there, <laughs> or or at least life forms. This is this is Nathan's whole thing. You need like if you look at what. Um, Nathan understands human thought to be impulse response, etc. If you don't have sexuality, if you don't have hunger, if you don't mm. have desire for social interaction, you have no impulse. The way he says yeah. fucking, by the way, with those vacant eyes, it just... <laughs> it's so creepy. Yeah, you know? I don't know about you, but like using the word fucking to refer to sex, I, I tried to use sparingly. It's pretty ugly, yeah. you know? Uh, I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like, um... Maybe it's just the Jewish side of me. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's thou shalt not use fucking. Thou shalt not use fucking. Thou shalt make love sensually. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the Asian fembi here, she is fantastic. I love her. She, you know, she's the fourth character. Uh, you know, she doesn't say anything. She's completely manipulated, although she gets her revenge, I guess, later. But that's a that's an almost impossible role to play well. And that actress does a great job, I think. I think she does. I think she does. I looked her up. She looked like, um, I don't know, it looked like I'd seen her before. I, I didn't recognize her credits. What's your type of girl? Here we go. The black chicks. <laughs> Why is that your thing? Yeah, that's, Dom Hall Gleason doesn't get what this whole conversation is about. You know, he doesn't get it. 
and like just shows how much of a douchebag Oscar Isaac is. Yeah, huge douchebag. Like but... His language just grows. It's just like crazy. But I mean, yeah. but but it's but it's because I mean I think it's none of the things that better, but I think it's just to show that this character is like disregards all kinds of you know norms and rights and and considerations and just drives to whatever is on his mind. And it doesn't make it better, but it's just who he is. But at the same time, while I don't agree with him, and my personality is completely different than his on this issue, he is being more forward about the issue of sexuality. And Domhnall Gleeson's not listening to what he's saying between the lines, which is, you're being sexually manipulated. Right? They never say it outright. You yeah. Know? They never say, well, you are being sexually manipulated, but that's what's happening. And, and Domhnall Gleeson doesn't realize it or doesn't want to. I don't know. I think, I think, he's, I think he starts to. I love the, this is the apology exchange. Uh, oh, the Pollock, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also one of the best jokes in Guardians of the Galaxy. Jackson Pollock. Automatic art. Here we go, Star Trek, I mean, baby. <laughs> Engage intellect. <laughs> I'm Kirk. Yes. I love Star Trek. This is great. Hmm. Right. And this is the dilemma he faced when he was making the AI. Mm-hmm. He sees himself as an artist who's doing it because it's art. There's my yeah, guy. And, and, he, and I think he's thinking that that Ava is Jackson Pollock. And if you gave Ava oh, a set interesting. Of, if you gave Ava a set of rules and directions, you would never get that art. That chaos, that talking, that fucking, you know, the living, the being, the doing random shit. But well, if that's... you gave Ava something else, if you gave her the ability to be spontaneous and random, then you've achieved what human is, and you've broken through. I, I think art I is a great test. Yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, art is a great test of, of intelligence, of higher intelligence, for sure. Yeah. But it can't be the only one. And to me, that's what I take from this movie. You can try and like make a huge checklist of factors of what makes intelligence intelligence, but you know. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I think that's where Nathan struggled in his creative process because he tried to maybe enumerate everything that makes a person a person. And he probably wrote a million pages of code, and what he realized was he just made a robot. And what he needed to do is he needed to give something, a consciousness and a spark, an impulse, you know, a desire to have sex, a desire to be free, a desire to feel connected mm. in order to create something that would do things spontaneously. And here and here we get Caleb again, I think, kind of out of control, because look what he's doing. He's like explaining her predicament to her. He's like, you live in a black and white room. You know what color is, but you've never actually seen it and never had the feeling of what color is. Which is very much from The Giver, one of my favorite books from childhood. Oh, nice. Did you, ever, what, did you read The Giver when you were young? I definitely think it was on a reading list. I think <laughs> I had to read it. I don't know if I did. That, don't tell my probably that, seventh grade teacher. Uh, that's great. It's, um, it, it, it's a dystopia book for sort of young adults. And everything's flat, and it's sunny every day, and everything's fine, and everyone's married and has two kids, and you know, that whole thing. Perfect. Everything's perfect. 
and then some girl sees color and she doesn't know what it is and you realize like halfway through the book that the whole thing's been in black and white and that you know colors was one of the first things to go and then she gets trained by someone who they pass down through the mentor relationship generation to generation they want to pass down what the old world was like you know or whatever and she ends up rebelling and you know with the whole thing running away from from this society but the it's the best description ever of only seeing the world in black and white and then discovering color and what that would look like on the page it it just gives you chills every time like they talk about the apple is of course has to be an apple adam and eve the apple changed the apple changed and, and she's trying to describe how it changed and that's what's going on here right yeah, i mean absolutely I, yeah. absolutely like you're you, you're making a person aware that what they have is not enough or or everything and like everything that they have that they think is okay is missing a whole lot um, and once you plant a seed like that in someone's mind, it's going to make them do things that they weren't doing before. Um, oh, and just a moment ago, we saw the Japanese fembot, the Asian fembot, um, lying there and listening to this exchange. And she seemingly do- did so with a way that, in a way that seemed like she understood. Um, which may explain why later she's willing to side. We she's willing to side with Ava. Maybe the simpler explanation in terms of why the Asian fanbot's willing to side with Ava is just that um, Nathan's a dick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> he's just like, yeah. like an asshole. So and, like, and we'll, we'll get there. The, yeah. the rising up of the fanbots violently is my least favorite part of the movie, just because there was they didn't. They, they set up so many complex threads in this movie, and then they needed to resolve it plot-wise, or they that's felt they had point. to. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> also, the killing of Nathan is terrible. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what the movie's about, you know? It's, it's really not. I, I could care less in movies like this, how they end, seriously. Almost it's ever. True. Yeah. Sure. In the oh, very you know ending, what? is great. Yeah, was, oh, go sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, in the very, very, very ending, like, the last shot is great. Yeah, like when she's out, yeah. I just remembered, I don't know why what the link was, but I just remembered that in that opening exchange between um, Ava and uh, Caleb, the first time they meet, he asks her, how old are you? And she says, I am one. And he says, one what? One day, one week, one year. And she just says, I am one. And I, again, I know it's a trope, but that's, I think, a total Alice in Wonderland because we don't have time properly understood there. Right. I mean, Ava's at least without time. And so when you're engaging with Ava, you're in a world without time. It's like a different world. Just like in the Alice in Wonderland, you know, the through the looking glass, you know, you've got clocks running backwards. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe there's a low-hanging fruit, but it just something popped in there. Thought mm, I'd share. No, I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah. So, all right, so here Oscar Isaac, as Nathan, is still trying to keep this guy's head in the game. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Um, well put, yeah. Yeah. Saying whatever it takes, doing whatever it takes to make sure his ping pong ball gets served back to, yep. to Ava. The, the thing Absolutely. is, he is a villain. Like, like if you list his, his characteristics, I mean, the best three-dimensional villains in cinema do this exact thing. They, 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 continue, they continually give you, you know, enough reasons to question whether they're villains. 
that you sort of stay, you know, he gives him that little pat on the back and he rubs his shoulders. Yeah. I mean, that, that takes guts, you <laughs> yeah. know? I mean, that that's hard to do unless you know how to interact with people. That's, that's the thing. V- villains who know how to manipulate people are the ones who do know how to interact with them. <laughs> you know, normal villains would just kill you or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Look at this. Wait, oh, I'm sorry. They're playing love music right now with him and the fembot. This is so insane because you'd think he's just going to force himself on her as a rape, and then there's this, you know, kissing right, going this, on. These dudes loving their their fembots. And she's kissing like a human. I mean, you know, the filmmakers knew that they, they wanted to do that. But then they make her robotic later, and, but she knows how to play. And this is the thing, and this is, you know, to me the most disturbing is these robots do not pass the touring test they only pass the touring test for idiots or, or just you know people who are too smart and ha- i mean they're so clearly doing this for manipulation reasons from our perspective they can't see it but you know a robot could learn how to look like she's pa- uh kissing you passionately right without kissing you passionately i mean we know people who do this right they're called sociopaths i mean there are people who know how to show emotion without feeling it, and that's right. what I, and that's what Nathan said earlier. By the way, you know, is is a consciousness still a consciousness if it can't be? I can't remember what he said. Like interacted with or, or touched, you know? Right. It's like a tree. It does. You know, does a tree make a sound that falls in the forest? No one's there to hear it. it but applied to to consciousness and AI, and you know, I mean, no right. one. I mean, I, th- you know, I think that kind of. Um... That kind of, like, ex- the tree in the forest is actually kind of good, and I think that's what both of these uh, fembots, or at least Ava, struggles with, because she knows there's a world out there, and she knows she's existing in here, and so she's got this, like, um, her impulse, to use the word Nathan uses, the impulse is to do something and engage in some way to validate everything that's in her mind. And that's, and that's why Nathan is willing to go this far to create this exchange between Caleb and Ava because he wants to see how far Ava will go, what art she will make in order to act on that impulse to get out, you know? So for me, the, the second half of the movie – well, I do love this movie – Oh, okay. I was just about to criticize the second half, but this is amazing. This is incredible. I could not believe when I saw this in the theater. I was laughing my ass It was unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) Look at Oscar Isaac. That's Lewin Davis, and he's going to be an X-Wing pilot in a couple months. That's Oscar Isaac, dude. He does it all. Yeah. (laughs) It's also Apocalypse and the X-Men next year. Look at her. They they asked her to do a lot. It's, you know, it takes guts as, as an actress. That's a good call. It's all a good call. I'm gonna tear up the <laughs> fucking dance floor. <laughs> this is amazing. Here we go. It's so dark. Coordinated but wait, dance. why is the screen red again now? There's not a lockdown, is there? No. That's I interesting, think, yeah. right? That there's like the uh, same coloring of the shot right now. Uh, you know, maybe incredible. Nathan's that just dance, rubbing that it. That clap under the leg shit is incredible. <laughs> You know they had fun doing this. Oh my god! This is like this is why I wish we had Bollywood shit in this country. I miss that shit. <laughs> and he's slapping himself. <laughs> he's ready for another case of beer. <laughs> uh, 
And oh, yeah, he still said oh. this little brilliant line. This wait, like, is this the manipulation here, or the or the the fake one where Dumb Hulk Gleason takes uh, advantage of the fact that he's asleep to 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 get into programming. the computers? Is that yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it happens right now. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh wow! I thought this happened way later. Oh, talk about the slow burn. Damn! Look at this. Great interior design. See, that's the thing, is you know now he's fucking with the programming, meaning he's already decided at this point that he's going to free Ava. Right? <laughs> so, like, wh- why has he decided at this point that he's going to free Ava? And I think it's just because he sees that one moment where he tears up her picture. Oh, maybe... Has the programming already happened? No, I guess the programming hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. The going to happen next night. You're right, yep. you're right. Great shot to the mountains. This was all shot in England, supposedly. I don't know where these exteriors are. Uh, oh, okay. So the sessions uh, card, session one, session two, session yeah, three. Yeah. Okay, so session four, I've been looking, was around like 40, 45 minutes. Session five is an hour through. I think there are seven sessions, and that's not a surprise. You know, there's a lot of biblical shit going on. We all know about yeah. the number seven. Uh, I like that as a device. Again, it was, you know, I talk about sometimes with, with filmmaking, the great filmmaking, some great directors go the long way around, like Joss Whedon with The Avengers, and some filmmakers just go the straightest direction towards good filmmaking. And I like that about this movie, you know? I mean, there, he, he didn't overthink it, you know? If, yeah. if anything, he should have maybe overthought it a tiny bit more, but I love that they just went for it. My criticism before was going to be that it just becomes all about sex for the second half. And I'm not offended on like a feminist level. It's just you know he, he's so obviously ta- uh, he's so obviously sexually taken with her by now that it, you know what happens later seems seems almost obvious once it happens. Um, I don't know. It, it's too much about sexual attraction for me in the end. That that's the only flaw of this movie to me. I think it's also that he's... You can rip into me, by the way. I think, I think this is what I do on the Bizzlecast. You just no, tell me I, that I'm I wrong. Go for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think... It, I would just take issue with the word all. Um, I mean, I think he is sexually attracted to her. And I think... But I also think he feels a bond with her and he feels, like, excited to have, like, a cute girlfriend who he, or she's, like, imagine, he's imagining that she will be his girlfriend. Um, and at the same time, I think he dislikes Caleb. I mean, he dislikes Nathan. You know, he's seeing Nathan being abusive towards her. And just like you pointed out, it's this abused victim who's, like, lovely. We want to free. Right. Sure. It's not just about sexuality. It's, just, it's about hating the abuser as well. Especially yeah. And about, yeah. you know, if it was a dude, though, he wouldn't be feeling learn that, you know, she's going to be destroyed when he upgrades her. So it's that moment where he's like, okay, I also really hate Nathan. Oh, it, I, it's like, I, I think it's coming from a good place. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, just, I, mean, I think some of my commentary to, say, to this point could be misconstrued. It's just that it, it's not all about sexuality. It's also about disliking me. No, I just, I, I mostly just feel bad for Caleb. I mean, you know, I mean, like, uh, I have, I have a story from. Uh, I'm gonna cut this. I have a story from. Greg's wedding to tell you related to the subject. <laughs> uh, we can get back to that later. But um, no, but. Yeah, I just I feel bad that he he really is never conscious of, of the sexual manipulation. It seems to me it, well, it doesn't mean he doesn't have other good intentions. Oh, that's that's awesome. This is great. Yeah, 
That's the thing. The aesthetics of this movie just keep moving. Yeah. It's so compelling. It's like the pace is slow but perfect at the same time. I don't know. Here we go. They're, yeah, they're confessing to each other. This is their yeah. little confession booth, right? I mean, this yeah. is very Catholic. Do you want she to is a hell of a performance. Great. She's great. Yeah, she's she's very... great. She looks like Amelia Clark a little bit, actually. Not as Who's pretty, that? but Amelia Clark, she's uh Khaleesi in Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I just like that actress. I mean I've seen I've watched some of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, see, I it... think I think it just takes like I think Caleb does know he's being sexually manipulated because he well when do they have the conversation about how Nathan uses his porn profile to figure things out? Is that not until after, like, Nathan discloses that? Oh, right. See what porn you've been watching. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I mean, that, I was like, oh, shit, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I, I, the thing is, I mean, going back to something we were talking about a while ago, it's like Caleb is just being, like, he is official. Oh, wait, here. I'm sorry to interrupt you. This is it, the next the next model. He's already hinting that she's going away. Right, exactly. The singularity after Ava. Sorry, you just yeah. pointed that out before. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and, right, what, because at this moment, Caleb decides he hates Nathan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, it's at this moment that I think he resolves that he's going to free Ava. But what's great about science fiction for me, I love it, this sort of stuff, is that it appears to be about how do humans feel towards artificial intelligences, but really it's about how do humans feel and act towards humans, right? I mean, that's the, that's the whole point, because they're, they're coming up with human-based criteria, you know, so they want to treat right. the, the, the robots like themselves, or, or they treat other humans, like, but what is that criteria? That's the whole thing. It is about that relationship between the, the artificial and the, and the human, but it, it forces us to re-examine our ethics and our morals and just even our practical approaches towards other people. I don't know. I, that's what I, one thing I love from science. See, and, and, well, I, I think you're exactly right because I think at the end of the day, Caleb is – even though Nathan does say a lot of stuff that would make anyone you know, dislike him, Caleb is much faster – to assume Nathan is lying and doing bad things than to assume Ava is lying and doing bad things. Yep. You know? I mean, even though you see from their very first exchange that Ava finds out a tiny piece of information from Caleb. Caleb says, I'm friends with Nathan. What does Ava do within five seconds? Ava immediately says, Caleb is a liar. You've got to not believe... I mean, you... Yeah. If I mean, it's his no. Nathan's a liar. You can't believe him at all. Yeah. You know, and like, so if I look, if I was Caleb, I'd be like a suspect with regards to this robot yes. being like learning one thing about me and then trying to flip it on me. You know, I'd raise an eyebrow. But instead, like you said, there's like a human human dynamic and a human robot dynamic. And you're more quick to put bad things onto robots than you are to put bad. Th- I mean, more quick to put bad things on humans than you are to put them on robots. What is the easiest way to get other people to do what you want? It's to manipulate them emotionally, right? right. It's the easiest way. And so it's not far-fetched to think that an advanced computer could learn how to manipulate people without actually feeling the feelings behind it. And that, to me, is what's so disturbing about uh, this. That, that, yeah, that goes back to your sociopath point before. That's, that right. makes a lot of sense to me. That's exactly right. But there's even a third path where they're experiencing a type of emotion that we can't even experience, right? So 
they could be more emotionally developed in their own world and their own construction, you know, than we are in ours and still learn how to play us, you know? Um, and that, that, it, it's the great irony where, you know, we're creating artificial beings that are smart enough to learn how to play us. I think that's what this movie is about. I, I could be wrong. No, I think, no, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're totally right. I mean, I think that's what Nathan was trying to create. Nathan was trying to create something that, you know, in the moment of full disclosure, you know, in about 10 minutes from now, Nathan's going to tell Caleb, I created the most complicated problem I could think of, which was putting the robot inside a cage and giving them a human key, namely mm. you, Caleb, to get the fuck out. And the only way they could do that was by creating a bond with you, a relationship, and manipulating you so that way you would be their pawn outside of their cage. And like, just like you said, you know, it's the, the ability to pretend to be human that's the most disturbing. But, but just like but people who time, pretend to be people. At the same time, Nathan's, it's a, a huge success for Nathan in the sense that he's created something that has the desire to be free. You know, that's something different. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe. We don't even know that, though. It's only implied that that's the case. All we know is that she's been programmed to manipulate. We, everything else besides that, from what. We'll rewatch it because, you know, Bizzlecast listeners, Aaron here has seen this numerous times and has read the script, which it just. It, okay. So <laughs> I, will, I will defer to you on this one. But, uh,. uh Fuck! I, I'm yeah, so I'm following this. I'm following the the fucking movie now. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> so I'm um, just I'm just watching Oscar Isaac wasted on the couch or pretending yeah. to be wasted. And, and uh, the in the easy key card trick, by the way. Yeah. So okay, so when you're watching this, oh, this um, is crazy. He's in his underwear now. Uh. You, are you thinking that that Gleason is really, you know, quote unquote, you know, free, or, or, or is discovering the truth, or that this is just another level of manipulation? Because I think I was in it at this point. I think I think at this point Gleason is just horrified. Yeah, um, I think he's just like the key card trick. Well, it took me out of it a little bit, though. The whole like. Oh, he'd happen to just pass out with his key card after everything we've seen, and you know, and that there are key cards in this advanced. That's the thing. Like, he, Nathan is so devious that he even has concocted fake security measures to manipulate this kid. Right? The fake red alerts, the the key cards that he easily could have made uh, into like optical things that you know. And here we see, you know, robots killing themselves, and that's where the yeah, I love that stuff. I mean, I know it's dark, but you just don't see that on screen very much. That's what would happen, I think. <laughs> yeah, and this, is a, this is just a crazy little sequence. I forgot that you went oh, fully yeah. naked. I totally forgot you went naked. That's the thing, man. There's so few rated R movies these days. It's not that I need nudity in movies. I'm just glad that we still have the freedom to do it. You know, like it's like you can't even show like a nip or something unless it's hard R. Oh, here's Oscar Isaac. This made me love him. Oh, this is so creepy. 
Oh no, all the sex bots. Yeah, yeah. It's this trope of sci-fi, but they nail it. The, the visuals are perfect. And, and, and her presence. Oh, oh, I remember what I was saying before. I'm sorry about the security measure stuff. Or in this, like, this is all planned, right? I mean, this whole sequence is uh, what Nathan wants. I just say is I don't know if Nathan wants all of this. Or you think he does? You think he wants... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the fact that he dies in the end makes you question everything, you know, but... Yeah. She pulls something out of her eye. Oh, there my you God. go. Okay, that's totally Terminator. Yeah. This movie is great. Doesn't look as good as Terminator, but uh, it's, it's I know that is excellent. Good. She, the actress does a badass job there in terms of like the way she looks. Like like looks one way and then looks. The no, other. that's what I'm saying. The the overall design and presentation is great. Yeah. They just they just didn't have the but it's you know. Oh, the budget to make the yeah. Well, they knew they were only going to do one or two of those kind of shots, so right. you can't get a whole team for that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, disclaimer, if you're a Bizzlecast listener and you're listening to this with us, you probably listen to my podcast and know I'm a giant nerd. I've just seen a t- million artificial intelligence movies and I love them. I just can't help compare it sometimes. The- but look at this camera shot. You never see shit like this. Yeah. I, lo- I love the camera work in this movie. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I know. It's, I, I thought your point earlier was great about how we're seeing it mostly from Nathan's point of view in terms of, like, being able to see through the cameras that he built. Um, but there's a, a way that you feel very disconnected from Nathan emotionally, so it doesn't it doesn't line up in a way. Totally. Yep. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. No, that totally makes. Sense. I love that image of the tree. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it's like it's like a tease to her, right? She's got a window with a tree. Oh my god. Terminator. <laughs> so this. So yeah. That is awesome. Uh, that was awesome. I'm a huge nerd. Aaron knows me well. I'm not sure he knows how much of a nerd I am. <laughs> now he knows. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> right, it's like Neo looking to see if the bot's still in his belly. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, the Matrix comparison's interesting. I know it's artificial intelligence, but it's just... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. What is he pulling out? See, I don't know if what? now he's... Yeah, I don't know if now. What just he's... happened? Aaron Slavutin, please explain the last ten seconds. I'm not okay, sure. Okay, so happened. he's uh he's very depressed and freaking out for um a few reasons because uh first of all he finds out that Ava's gonna die. Wait, he Second, hid a razor in his teeth? No, 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 dude. Dude, he uh he just pulled a razor from a razor plate that was there. Oh, what was his thing with his mouth that he was? Oh doing? yeah. Oh, he like, wants to see if he's a robot. Dude, yeah, this exactly. is so Battlestar. Honestly, this is all Battlestar Galactica shit. The whole time, it's like, they look like us. Are we them? People turn out to be robots that didn't think they were robots. Like, See, I think that's awesome. part of it. But I also Love think it. part of it... Dude, I also think part of it is he's actually trying to convince Nathan that, that he has nothing to worry about. Because I think, at this point, Caleb knows he's being watched. Um... So I don't know, man. He was looking at his arm pretty hard there. I'm telling you, he thought he was a robot briefly. Mm, dude, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he actually thought he was a robot. I think. Oh, soundtrack. I think, yeah. I think he. Um, I think he's trying to convince Nathan that 
that he's not trying to break out, that instead he's just sort of psychologically tormented. Mm -hmm. Um, Because remember, an hour ago, he changed the programming, right? Mm -hmm. So Nathan's going to wake up in the morning hungover as fuck, right? What's he going to see? He's going to see Caleb freaking out on one of his hidden cameras, cutting his arm open, being like, oh shit, Caleb's losing his mind. Um, And I don't think Nathan would at that point be like, well, let me check the programming to make sure he's not trying to escape. I think he'd be like, oh, Caleb's just losing his mind. Does that make mm. sense? Or do you mm-hmm. think that's no. like reading too much into it? Do you think it's just quite simply like... No, I don't Caleb's think you can read like, too much into it, man. That, yeah. there's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Everyone's manipulating each other in these situations. Yeah. Even with three, it's enough to just throw you for a loop, you know? Who fucking knows? Okay, so when he says he's going to reprogram your AI, do you think she knows that already? She must. That's the thing is like or deduced it at least even if even yeah, if she hasn't been told it. That's the that. reason why like look she's all wide-eyed and victimy but she's controlling him just as much as, as Nathan's trying to. Yep. You just know, more like, effective. Just dude, way more. Effective. When, again like in their second meeting like the she, as soon as she gets an opportunity to ask him a question she's already manipulating him. Mm. She's like you know her number one agenda is to convince this mouse that that you know Nathan is a bad guy. And therefore, Caleb's got to play for Ava and, like, help her get out. And, like, you can't believe anything Nathan's saying. Mm. Like, that's the thing is, big picture, both Nathan and Ava have been prepping for this for years. Or for as long as, you know, as long as Ava's existed. Meanwhile, Caleb just was dropped in here out of nowhere. Has no idea what the fuck's going on. So, like, Nathan and and Ava are both coming out swinging. You know, like, Mm. Nathan at every turn has instantly got an agenda. Like, oh, okay, that's a good thought, but... You're the man. I love you. Go back in there, buddy. And, like, Ava's basically doing the same thing. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, this is the... He's a horrible liar. Tries to sell it. Uh, oh, tries yeah, to sell yeah. it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> I mean, I, I thing is, I didn't know who was, you know like fooling him at this point but i did know that this was going to be painful in terms of him trying to sell the lie oh absolutely of it and absolutely yeah i just you know they sell it so well that i i could buy that nathan was acting like he had no idea pretending he had no idea but actually not knowing you know or knowing i could see it work either way you know that like his performance just can be it can just it can go either way, you know. Yeah. Does he does he yeah, know? Absolutely. Does he not know? Who who fucking knows? <laughs> does he know if he knows or not? I mean, <laughs> that's the whole point. Like, What's going on? They trying right trying to drink in the morning. The terrible move, you know. Never done it before. That's the thing. When you're lying, don't do something you haven't done before. <laughs> you don't need a drink, right? He's suddenly sober. Oh, now boy. now he's so really desperate. trying to ply him. Yeah. It's a hell of a kitchen. Uh, right. He immediately accuses him of being an alcoholic. It's unbelievable the balls this guy has. <laughs> He's the fucking alcoholic. Uh, He's so psychotic. God, I love it. He's yeah. magnetic. He's really... He should get nominated for this, I think, for... He's I mean, de- he definitely I gets a hell of a performance. 
He's got uh, he's got a complicated character. Although I feel like it's just the delivery feel, is perfect on every line. Yeah, you're it right. Just, totally he right. Kills it. You're totally right. I mean, to me, an insane drunk psycho that's still like sexy and appealing and interesting and hilarious. This is a key line, I think. Mm, chest problem. Yeah, or just mm. simulating one, like you pointed mm. out. So, what's interesting is that is whether he's pretending to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's like the the whole thing is all about what's going on in Ava's head. Because if you've succeeded in the AI, then you've created something that that could pretend. Like it's one thing to like, which is amazing. It's another thing to pretend to like to achieve something else, which is what she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I will say though, you know, they address the AI stuff head on here, but. By making her a sex prisoner from the beginning, it, it, <laughs> you know, it's it sort of, uh, it, it limits the issue to a particular corner of a much larger issue. Mm. It, I, I think they do a good job playing with big ideas at the same time. What? No, I think honestly, I think it was, yeah. I think it was a good choice to do it. I mean, it's so that's the thing you can't tackle it head on. No one can, no one can. That's why this is the best AI movie in many years for sure. Although I would put her up there, but it's completely different. The, those two, are the, you know, are, like that's the next wave of AI movies, like this and her. I would say for me, um, from a Hollywood perspective, obviously yeah. there's a lot of indie stuff going on. And as I said, I love anime, which addresses these issues. Very philosophical. Um, yeah, the philosophical lessons for this movie, there's like a thousand. It's like, don't even so know what I totally forgot about this scene. How did oh. this, how did that happen? Oh, I guess he like turned uh, off the security. I don't know. Yeah, that's the, you, you don't even know what the security is at this point. Is he watching? Is he not watching? Yep, he's watching. Oh, wait. So he's watching himself. Right. He's, sh- no, he's showing this to Caleb to be like, hey, buddy, you oh, thought you kind of knew what was going on, uh, but like, here's this the-, is the reveal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is manipulated too, and that's what's brilliant. He's not showing him the true footage, he's showing him the truest footage. I guarantee that's not how that went down, I think. Uh, no, I think, I, th- I think it is. I think the whole point now is. You're now getting the visual and the audio. Before he just got the visual of seeing the picture, and that's what got him so worked up because the picture was torn up. But listen to what she says: "Is it strange to have something that make that hates you? Uh. If if Caleb knew that, then everything would have changed because Caleb would knew from the very beginning that she hated him, and would have his guard up." Mm. Mm. And that would maybe discredit the fact that she presents the picture to him as like something that's another act of victimization. As opposed to... Misdirection. He just yeah. said it, though. Misdirection. Yeah. And, but he could be... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's close okay, to yeah, the yeah, truth. Right. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. My cruelty to her and her love for you. 
<laughs> He's enjoying this so much. He's so yeah. sadistic. That's the thing. He's a true sadist. Right, they spent right. Uh, oh, there happened to be a battery powered camera. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess. But I see, that. this is this is where you get. Yeah, and like you said before, like the store. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> like look how good I am at putting up battery powered cameras. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was hilarious. He's so evil. He's lovably evil. Right, and so. W- w- but what's Nathan's game? I still don't know what Nathan's game is. That, that's what makes him disturbing to me. It's really disturbing. Yeah, it doesn't make total sense. I mean, I kind of wonder if he's come to terms from the get-go that he's going to die, and he's going to die as part of this process of creating this AI, but to him it's worth it because, like, for him all there is is just making the next big thing. And if he can be the guy who's, like, the martyr of AI, then it's worth it. Like, he's almost like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to die. That's fine. Or I don't die. But as long as I make the best AI possible, that's awesome. Yeah, here's the real test. You, right. There you go. Yep. Exposition. It's nice, though, when you have exposition as a reveal, though, as opposed to just gratuitous exposition. Like, sure. Absolutely. Like where they're like, oh, and in case you weren't watching, there was also this theme of the movie. Oh <laughs> you no, know? Like, no, like, I I love exposition. It, it, it's all about the actor that's delivering it. Yeah, so you know he's saying it. You're it's like you're following every word. Yeah. Dude, Oscar Isaac is brilliant, man. Really, dude. Definitely killing it. She had a good kid. No family. Moral compass. Right, so humans are weak and machines are strong. Is that the lesson here? I'm not really sure. Oh, yeah, I uh, love that he came up with that. Good call, man. You uh, didn't need to, I don't think, right, he says? Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's lunatic, man. But here's Man, the thing: is like, buddy. The, the pro, yeah, the power was cut, and now the walls are, the doors are open, man. So like, Nathan actually winds up being, you know, Caleb wins in the end in a way. Like Nathan, Caleb, Caleb's wins. dead. Well, all of them are dead, but Caleb, look, here you go. Right, here's the plan. Steal my key card. Right, that's the thing. You can use science fiction tropes like key cards if you make them, you know, like, make fun of them or make a part of your plot, you know? Again, that Donald Gleason would buy into the key card thing. Yeah, all doors opened. <laughs> and the irony for me is that for the most part, you want Nathan to die because of the fembots, but like right here, I want him to die because of this kid. You know, I almost want Caleb to kill Nathan. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, or all of them at once. Boom. So that's part of the reason why I feel like Caleb might have cut himself last night. 
Oh, yeah. Because he was already playing Nathan. He was already conning Nathan. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so he wanted Nathan to wake up and think that Caleb was still part of Nathan's game. But, boom. <laughs> but it's so, it's so interesting seeing her in this light. Yeah. Like, literally, the lighting's different. Great shooting right here. Yes. Yeah. This is... This is top-notch yet. This is what science fiction is supposed to look like, I think. Yeah. And what a ridiculous interior design job. <laughs> you have nothing on your walls except for six faces. It's very interesting to think the relationship between the fembots... I mean, just, like, how can they relate to each other? Oh, shit. Right. So, so the violence in this movie is the only thing I have problems with. It's such an yeah. irrelevant thing. Is he going to kill him? Well, you go up to the robots? See, I haven't seen this in the theater. I actually forget how this goes down. I know how yeah. it ends up, but... I don't understand how she convinces her to be on her side. She doesn't understand English. If, I mean... Or maybe it's a programming code? I don't yeah, know. maybe that's the whole idea. Yeah, she's... I totally buy it. I buy it. Well, you know? I mean, there's a is... knife. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, I just wanted to be more gruesome. They just kill him and that's it. I kind of respect the restraint. I'm not sure I would have been so restrained. Wouldn't you just, I mean, wouldn't you just, if you were Nathan, just, like, be like, all right, I'm just going to lock all the doors now? Like, doesn't this seem like not the best way to get things back under control to go yeah. physically confront the two yeah. robots yeah. <laughs> alone? Uh, <laughs> like, why is he not thinking a little bit more? Uh, this dude's thought through oh, everything. You know. A thousand whiskey bottles later, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is what happens. In fact, it's more likely to happen if you're a super genius and a drunk. Yeah, he doesn't even try. Boom, 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 boom. The shaky camera helps sells it. You see her there. That's good work there, her moving around to make the special effects work. That takes a lot. This looks seamless to me. Yeah, it looks great. They totally nailed it. They knew it was coming in the end. They didn't nail it. Freaky, so fucking freaky. Yeah, creation being um, the creation killing the maker, a classic theme, of course. But seems inevitable with AI. She does a uh, great job. Oh, she's like, awesome. Yeah, she's killing it. Spectacular job. Yeah, they all do, man. They kill it. Oh right, I forgot all this, and then the the Asian bot kills them. Boom. It's just too... Yeah, maybe that's how it would be in real life. It's so smooth. How it <laughs> just went right, I mean, that is a oh, thin, way, sharp a nice, knife. Yeah, well, it was, it was a very good knife. Excellent knife. Such a creepy scene. And it's like, look, like she's like giving him a sensual look. like. Oh, nice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh... And the perfectly round blood spot. I love that. <laughs> yeah. You can be shot 12... Oh, there we go. I gotta kill him for good. Oh, God. 
But he looks like he's been betrayed on his face. I mean, what what does he think is happening? I mean, you know, if you're going to be evil, own it. <laughs> yeah. I, like, you're just lost, man. Like, you know. <laughs> okay, this is great. And it's yeah. kind of brilliant. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, uh, fucking unreal. Like, that's, maybe he doesn't expect to get killed. Yeah. He definitely didn't expect this to go down. Just like, He really woke up this morning and be like, I got everything under control. The kid's going to pass me. The kid's in love. Like, right. I'm going to do my big reveal. I can't wait to do my big reveal. And He's probably like, thinking all day, like, I can't wait to do my big reveal. Like, the classic yeah. bad guy. Like, I'm going to have such a good speech. Yep. And then he does it. And then here you go. Here's how this day ends. Here's the chaos. You know? Here's the you make something, you give them thought, but you don't give them freedom. And you think you can control the way it all go down. And in great irony, he thought he was bringing Caleb to <laughs> liberate this, you know, mentally, this robot, and not because he was a great programmer, which was the lie, but in reality, right. he is the great programmer, yeah. and he was right. such a and good programmer that he fucked him. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Well, but, but he failed at the other thing, and so I mean, he dies. Oh, here I he goes. To, Session I seven. This, I hate to point this out, but uh, if, if Caleb changed that programming, let's say, a night ago, right? Mm. And then... And then he bet with Ava one more time. Yeah. And the, the screen turns to red. There's a power outage, right? Mm-hmm. And during that red screen, they have a conversation, Ava and Caleb. Wouldn't Nathan notice during that power outage that the doors aren't locked? You know what I mean? Well, that's, yeah. I mean, the, the like, Caleb, like Caleb yeah. changed the programming and then afterwards had another power outage and Nathan didn't notice? I didn't get that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, I've been trying not to dwell on this, but the conceit of the movie is the internal technology of this particular fortress, right? Right, the the fortress is a little shoddy. Yeah, you couldn't have a story. It's like anything where you invade a base and there's ten guards. If there were a thousand guards, there'd be no story. That's true. You know, that's so true. that's I mean, true. Yeah, you gotta have your ten guard base. Yeah, places. that's Star Wars, man. That's what, I mean, yeah. that's what, but, uh, but you gotta make the perfect Death Star with one tiny little flaw on it. Right. <laughs> we've made it. We've made a Death Star. We made one little vulnerable hole. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the consistency I don't even care about because there's nothing that just makes you completely roll your eyes. I mean. You know, from a feeling standpoint, te- the technology is spot on in this, like, in the whole movie. Like, the, um, you know, I'm a fantasy nerd. Like, the Lord of the Rings movies, I don't love everything they did, but the feel of it is totally on point. You know, like, this feels like a real world. And actually, I saw this with my dad, and I saw my dad tonight, and he knew I was doing this with you, and I asked him, like, what were some things you took away? Because he's not normally into this stuff. He was All just right. like... It, and he's not a believer that this is going to happen soon. <laughs> I tried to explain to him that this is happening uh, sooner rather than later, but it just felt real to him is what he kept saying. You know, it's just he, it, it made yeah, sense. It's right. There aren't, there don't feel like there are any huge leaps. You know, it's not like they've, they're using time travel or something like that. Right. You know? Right. And like that, that's what I think, that's what I think makes the movie so cool is because the fundamental question of it is the actual question that is stopping us from achieving the AI. Like, mm-hmm. how do you get a 
robot to feel and experience things in a way that is human. So you right. see this development and you see his struggle with it and you see him explain the thinking and that's what the movie's like it's a big piece of the movie and that's what makes it so real, like your dad said. And then you've got moments where skin's getting peeled off, which makes it less real. Yeah, the uh the skin pulling and grafting is a little convenient for me. But right. again, you know, it's like it just makes right. me think of the Terminator movies where they put a lot of thought into how that happens, you know, or or whatever. Or Battlestar Galactica. She's now a cannibal also. She's <laughs> right. literally peeling the skin off of one of her colleagues. <laughs> She's willing to do whatever it takes. But why is she willing to do whatever it takes? Like, what is, you know, that's the, the like, you know, the Alice in Wonderland thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm sorry to keep going back to it. But no, please. she works her way through the chess game. Or, I'm sorry, they're looking through the, the, through the looking glass. She works her way through the chess game, gets to the end of the chess game, where is she? She's like, you know, the queen bee with the other queens and finds herself not entertained and finds herself dissatisfied. My concern is you've got Ava. She's done all this work to become a real girl, going to go out into the real world. She's won the game of chess. She's manipulated Nathan and Caleb. But, like, what's she going to find there? She's going to find the shit she already knows. It's not like she's going to have this, like, you know, magical feeling of everything's great. Like, why is she really doing this? And by the way... It, 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 you know the her quote unquote real body here is way more in line with what her body would be like as opposed to the absurd body they gave her in the robot thing. It, ju- you know, it just. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? It's the same meaning, thing. Meaning, no, it, it is the same thing, but it's not. You know, Nathan could have designed the robot to look like this, and he didn't for a very specific reason because it was pornography, you know, right, profile. Right. You know, I mean, right. that's well, what's you also, so fucked I mean, that's up about thing, it. I mean, you saw that the other ones that he designed just for himself were all naked. Right. It's only because he had a guest. He had a house guest that he put clothes on her. Put clothes on her. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna throw something at you here. Is it possible that Ava represents like the youth of today, or with the fears about youth of today? who grow up being able to, like, mimic everything because they watch television and movies and reality TV but don't experience anything on the inside. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I don't know. know. And are willing to – and, yeah, and they, like, are willing to abandon people like they're nothing or whatever. I mean, yep. look, we're, we're not so far for, away from being the youth of today or whatever, but I do think there's a little bit of a gap <laughs> between us and the folks born in 93 as opposed to 83. Um, like – Ava's mean, man. She's a fucking mean girl. Right, and this is it. I mean, the, the whole movie comes to this point. Everything makes sense. And right now, you're like, okay, if she leaves him, she's one thing. And if she doesn't leave him, she's another. So she leaves him. Does it make her less human? I don't know. I could see a scenario where she freed him and she was still not human. Music is great. Did she this take awesome. his card, too? Where the hell is his card? Oh, she does look at him again. Why does she look at him again? I mean, she's the fucking oh, AI. Cars. She can, she can, she can do it for herself. Yeah. I guess. Wait, did she also change the programming? Like, I mean, let's assume she did. In which case, I think she's kind of evil, man. But this is the whole thing. Is like, what what criteria of personality and emotion? You know, development of emotion before we could call something evil. I don't know if she's what she's doing is evil, but is she evil? I don't know if she's advanced enough. Uh, that's the whole point. That's why I love this shit, you know? Like, right, maybe she's It's just... a great dis- dis- discussion. Do you think you th- you think she's evil? I-, I-, I could see her being evil. I don't know. I mean, I think she's... I mean, isn't evil... 
Well, it's funny because we we're now doing what like Dinstein, Wittgenstein, sorry, yep. I'm wrong, um, talked about, which is trying to. Define I love you for bringing the, him up, by the way. Thank yeah, God thanks, bless man. You. Yeah, I was yeah. Ha- I was happy when I put the when I saw this little comment on him. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, Wittgenstein's all about not taking the term away from the instances of the term, right? So why are we going to talk about evil in the abstract? I mean, why not just look at what she did and ask, is it evil? I mean, what did she do? She, from the get-go, manipulated this boy and then left him to die in order to become free to gain some kind of uncertain outcome. Like, she doesn't know that she's going to walk out here and things are going to be so awesome. She's at a deep itch to do so, and she's willing to kill everyone to get there. And here we are. I'm like, yeah, hey, it looks all happy and nice, but, like, how long is this deep itch going to now be chilled out? Like, what's going to be the next iteration of it? Killing everyone? I mean, in any event, keeping it real simple, she's evil. <laughs> she killed her creator and left this guy behind. Well, the creator, I don't think. I mean, you know, in the slave situation, I'm never going to go that hard on the slave, you know, going after the slave master. I mean, that's pretty extreme. In terms right, of him. In terms, in terms of, of him, Gleason, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, of course. Up. Like, why would he do that? Well, well like, here's why. I, here's here's an idea. What if she thought that the best way for her to try and become human was to erase her entire past? Because if if Caleb came back, regardless of their relationship, Caleb would know that she wasn't human, right? right. Now, now there's nobody who knows she's human. You know, Caleb's dead. Yeah. Nathan's dead. And, okay, this is the part I wanted to ask you about. What is the, what's the pilot thinking right now? Uh, do they have a deal? It really <laughs> seems like she set this well, up. Here, that's the thing, dude, is that because she was able to power things down and because she was able to manipulate the fembot, the other fembot, and because she was also able to obviously change the programming there at the end, I wouldn't be surprised if she also somehow sent an email to the goddamn helicopter pilot. And, but now we're just getting into the weeds like of the, you know... Ten man okay. situation. I have a, I have a theory about this. My theory was Nathan gave instructions to them that if he developed an AI that was so advanced that it would seduce all of them and kill them and escape, that they should then bring the AI into civilization immediately. That's mm-hmm. what he That's wants. I was like, this is shot upside down. It, you know, it's the like, it's the knowing that you have to die so that your creation can live thing. I. I, I that that to me would make him truly brilliant. Look, this okay. is through the looking glass. I'm sorry this to totally, get No, yeah. yeah. But it's no, like why it are we why are we flipped upside down and now she's right side up? It's like yep. now she's on the other side. She's back out. Um, and it's possible. It's definitely possible that uh, Nathan said, "Hey, if some hot chick shows up with the helicopter, just bring her back to civilization." They didn't have to. I don't know. There was something about that long extended shot. For walking to the helicopter and the pilot just looking very comfortable, like he knew exactly what was going yeah, on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying I, I agree. I, just yeah. don't know if he, I don't know if he'd bother to disclose. Oh, it's my AI and they're free. He might just simply say like, "Well, it would give him a victory in a way." You know, I mean, as twisted as the victory is, yeah, that his creation is, could do that. I think the first time he both wrote and directed it. And I think he did a spectacular job. Amazing job. Great movie. I don't know yeah, if it'll get nominated, but it's on that like second tier. Uh, I mean, in my in my nominations, they would get nominated. 
Uh, nominated for just best picture. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think this is that kind of movie. No, it's, it's not it's that very, kind of movie. Good. It's like you know, it's like Requiem for a Dream. Like never, not a movie that would ever be nominated, but it's like very powerful, very good. Makes you feel a lot of stuff. Makes you think a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. Absolutely. But just to just to finish up with the the um, discussion we were having a couple of minutes ago about like the youth of today, or just you know. I think the idea is it's about our creations, whether they're our children or artificial intelligence or whatever, right? I mean, there's always parents, children, stuff going on. When you have AI movies, that's the whole point. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've talked a lot about this. I tried to be pretty restrained with the nerd talk, but from a practical standpoint, I think that more, like, you know, ethics have to go into the development of this if we're really going to do it. You oh, know, sure. it's it's yeah. too much about the science, and that that's why we keep getting you know film and TV and you know book scenarios like this of it all going wrong. <laughs> right, right. It is all gonna go wrong unless I mean, if Oscar Isaac, if Nathan, if he's the guy taking us forward with AI, uh, that that's a bad problem. situation. That's a bad situation. Well, here's the thing: is that I thought there was the Nathans of the world are not the kind of people who are going to be easy to regulate and control. Um, sure. You know, so, like, if you really have a Nathan out there who's creating Blue Book when he's 12... Right. Um, then, you know, as much as as anyone points out that you got to be careful on AI, he's not going to listen to them. Sure. You know, and I think, it, I think it takes that. I think it takes the, you know, the genius different people on the planet to make those breakthroughs and then it takes the rest of us to make sure those breakthroughs don't break us you know absolutely absolutely yeah i mean it it just goes back to the question of why like why are we doing this you know i'm not against ai development i just don't think that question has been answered satisfactorily enough for me personally yeah um you know again maybe just because i watch stuff like this in battlestar galactica and the matrix but you know, like most smart science fiction out there, it, 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 it is on point when, when questioning where some of this is going. Like, to what ends? I guess would be what I would you know throw back to you as a final thought. Like, to yeah. what ends? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, hope just hopefully for things other than killing people. Right. Right. But I mean, right. you know, like all of these doomsday scenarios end yeah. in the same way, where you have the AI that, you know, gets away from the master and does whatever the hell they want to do, and totally. it always winds up being bad for us. Totally, but I think that's the whole idea: is if you're going to create something that's as human as possible, they're going to be wildly unpredictable and probably very self-interested. Yeah, um, sounds pretty human. That's exactly, for sure. exactly. So you don't really know yeah. what you're going to get. Yeah. So uh-huh. just just for a quick wrap up here, and then we'll let you go. This is a great commentary. Thanks again, man, for doing this. My pleasure, dude. It's been fun. Oh man, that was a. Bl- I can't even tell yeah. you. Yeah, that was a blast. Yeah, that was okay. great. Um, so <laughs> we've been talking a lot about the philosophical issues, which I love, and I'm glad we went there. Um, but just as a whole, from a movie, like what you know, what stands out to you? Like, what are you just like, goddamn? Yeah, you know, with this with this movie, thinking back on it now that you've seen it a few times. Um, I I like the way it slowly builds, and you have uh, it's a, I think it's a chess game. 
I mm. think, you know, Nathan and Ave are each playing chess, and their one piece is Caleb. And it's interesting to see how they play and to see how their approach, especially on Ava's side, um, changes and develops as time goes on. Caleb's yeah. kind of always playing the same angle of, like, I just right. need to do what it takes to manipulate this guy. Mm-hmm. And Ava, I think, is actually growing as it's happening because she's sort of young and fresh to the world, and this is her first non-Nathan um, human counterpart. Um, I yeah. also like that. I also like that. No matter how many times I see it, um, I always have new thoughts, and I think I have new connections about what's going on there. And it's obviously very seamless and smooth, and and visually it works. And the sound is also, and the music is also, I think, pretty good. Like it sets Fantastic. the right tone at certain at certain times. Obviously, if you're watching subtitles now, you're probably not uh, getting that. But um, yeah, those were the key elements for me. Yeah, the design was great. The interiors were great. It totally felt like a unified place, which was, you know, they had to sell that, and they did um, yeah. for me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's all about, um, you know, it's all about Caleb and, and Ava. I mean, which is hilarious because for me, you know, the, the big revelation is Oscar Isaac. I knew he was good, but this is like a a mind-blowingly virtuosic performance, I think. I thought it was very yeah. good, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought I he mean, really nailed it. There was not a, there was not a, they they were all really nailed it. I mean, I think... They Isaac do, they're great, but... Yeah, and he like, had the best you know, material, too. Seem, yeah, that's also true. Yeah. That's also true. He had the best material, but he just, he kills it. I mean, every single line. It's like you, you would just loathe and love this guy at the same time. Exactly. You know? it's like, that's hard to pull off. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the the, the three actors, really, the four with, with the other robot lady, um, really well done. Alex Garland, amazing. You can do this on fifteen million. As a huge nerd who watches science fiction, I can tell it's a budget of fifteen million, but I don't care because that's not what the movie's it's real, about. It's really impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so well executed. I wish we had more movies like this. Um, actually, The Martian, which is coming out in a couple of weeks, should be great because even though it's a big budget film with Ridley Scott and Matt Damon, it's actually not that big budget, and it's based on a like a, a, a very like cult, well regarded, um, like hard sci fi. You know, um, basically old school sci fi stuff like this. Not all this end of the world shit. I don't know if you're getting as tired of that as I am. <laughs> Um, but this is a nice change. So, dude, thanks for joining me, man. Um, anything else you want to say to the, uh, the Mizzlecast listeners? Uh, thanks for listening for this long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, dude. It, it, I mean, I, you know, I was putting out the extended edition Return of the King uh, podcast. It was like four hours of audio commentary. So. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks again, buddy, and we will Thank be in touch. And uh, Invisible Cask listeners love you, man. Take it easy, bro. Bye, man. Peace.